Hello and welcome to The Softer Side. I'm your life transitions coach, Shelley Carney. Let's design your life. Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice bring you The Softer Side, life transitions and relationship coaching. Join the live chat on YouTube every Wednesday and Friday at thesofterside.live. Today's topic is your words can't hurt me. And that's not a dare. What we're talking about is dealing with emotional manipulation in a powerful way. And how can we do that? Well, this little poster uh, helps us with a clue. It says, you never look good trying to make someone else look bad. Do you agree Th- with that? That sounds like something around Kay would say. Wow. You know. You know. You never look good trying to make someone else look bad. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. I agree, too. Today we're talking about emotional manipulation. What is that? That is an attempt to control how someone feels and acts through emotional wordplay. So somebody will say something to you as if it, as if it is the truth and expect you to believe it. And take on those thoughts. And then if you do that, you will feel the way that they want you to feel. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be directed at you. It can be directed at somebody else. And I always feel like that third-party approach. If I say this enough to other people, mm-hmm. eventually I can manipulate them. So it doesn't even have to be directed at you. Well, do you give me an example of what you're talking about. Um, uh, so uh, can I go back to my Washington days? Of course. So I, t- I told you last, was it last week that we talked about uh, one of my competitors, another individual contributor, we actually worked together at the NSA at some point. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but he started, uh, he started saying things uh, about me that uh, to our, uh, we, had, we had overlapping business, right? So we were dealing with the, same, uh, with the same individuals at these various government agencies in the intelligence community. And um, he just started kind of spreading rumors, you know, things that were untrue, that, uh, that, uh, that my business was failing, Mm-hmm. Uh, that I was trying to take everybody out, you know, all these things that were simply just untrue. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I would get a call saying, do you know this guy is saying these things about you? Uh, can you explain it? And my response was, I can't explain why he's chosen to do that. Right. Right. But uh, the only thing that you have to do is know me. Know that I'm not like that. Right. Right. And eventually it went away and he lost credibility in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, after a while, uh, he had to back out. Right. He, he had to kind of he had done so much damage to himself that he had to get out of the community and stop uh, responding to RFPs and things like that. And it took him about a year to recover, to get back. He'd start small. He hired uh, a uh, woman uh, and reorganized his business so that she was the head of the business. And he started going after some of the women-owned business contracts, which every agency has to take a portion of their uh, contracting obligations and give it to women-owned businesses. It's, it's not a big percentage. It's not a 50%. You know, They have to give some to women-owned business, minority-owned businesses, and veterans-owned businesses. And so he literally had to change his whole way of doing business, hire a woman, make her the head of his business, and then come back and start applying for the... Uh, Women-owned business contracts, and and the thing about that is those were the least, uh, they weren't necessarily the most lucrative. Uh, no, well, they can't. They have to meet a certain percentage, right? So it's the you can't underpay them. You have to offer them. You have to offer to pay for their services at the same rate. But what they didn't get was we've got a big contract. You need to go to Afghanistan. That just didn't make sense for a women-owned business, right? So he started limiting himself to the kinds of contracts he was getting. It wasn't a good time for him. I actually met with him as he started, as he started to come back, mm-hmm. and um, he uh, he called and asked for the uh, to have lunch with me, and we decided to have lunch. And uh, he he wanted, I think he wanted to apologize, mm-hmm. but nobody ever ever explained to him how to apologize. So instead, I ju- I. In the best words that I could, without actually saying I forgive you, mm-hmm. I, j- I let it go, right? Let it go because it's it didn't hurt me to begin with. It wasn't hurting me then, and I felt like, you know, whatever price, and it was a financial price, right? He paid the price 
uh, for whatever damage he had done. And uh, I felt like uh, I don't have a grudge against all this. You know, you're no, you, you did it to yourself. That's right. The community responded and um, and you didn't think it out, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So. You try to talk somebody else down. It right. makes you look bad. Right. It's the same in politics. I don't vote for somebody because they are putting down their opponent. opponent. If they don't have anything good to say about themselves, then why would I vote for them? You know, why would I give somebody a job when all they can do is put down other people? It just doesn't make sense. So let's move forward. So here's, uh, here's an example of a type of emotional manipulation. Uh, One of the main emotions that people use for emotional manipulation, especially uh, in relationships like a parent to a child, is guilt. They create a scenario to make you feel guilty. Well, you don't love me if you don't come and visit me. Did your mother ever say these things to you? Uh, Twice a day. Yeah, you hurt my feelings when you say these things or when you don't do this or when you do that. Uh, you owe me because I did these things for you. Now you owe me. You need to pay me back. Mm. These are all emotional manipulation using guilt. So you've experienced some of these. Oh, yourself. she was a master. <laughs> she was a master. I loved her anyway. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I loved her the best way they could. But uh, yeah, she was definitely a master. Yeah. And it started when I left, when, when she found out that I had joined the military. From that point forward, it was... You've, aban- you've abandoned me, haven't you? Right. You don't want to right. be near the me. The child doesn't yeah. abandon yeah. the parent. Exactly. <laughs> it's, you, cannot, it you cannot abandon an adult. And, and actually, it was kind of neat because of, of the lesson that it taught me. And I tried, uh, although all parents do it every once in a while, you know. Uh, but I tried as, as much as I could. So when my, you know, my children would tell me they're going to college out of state, my, my first reaction inside was, oh, you don't want to be someplace close where I can visit you, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't say that, but, mm-hmm. but it's... And then I realized that was actually a good thing, that I wasn't visiting every weekend, or they weren't coming home every weekend. It actually, they started to uh, adopt that sense of independence that they have to take care of this, you mm-hmm. know, themselves. And uh, they learned, and then, of course, you see the pictures of the parties they're having at their apartment, and you wonder how they're getting through college. But, you know... But they did. But they did. All of them. And they're all successful. Yeah. Another way to use emotional manipulation is fear. You might see this a lot in um, like security agencies or people trying to sell you protection in some way. Uh, Threats that cause you to feel fear and then act out of that place of fear. Such as, you better do what I say or else this will happen or else I'll do this. You need to do what I want you to do. Or bad things will happen to you. And, and worse, it's even more subtle when you take the uh, mafia approach. Mm-hmm. You may not know this, but if you don't do this, something my bad, my bad would happen to your business. Yeah. You know? And so there's, it, it is not only manipulation, it's, not, it's indirect, right? It's, it's a subtle, uh, and, uh, and people that use that tool, that particular technique, think they're really being smart about it. And it's just so obvious that you go like, really? Look, Joe Bonanno, settle down there. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. If you want all of this uh, money for weapons, you will find some dirt on some, uh, my, mm-hmm. emo- my opponent, my political yeah. opponent. So that would be ma- emotional manipulation using fear. <laughs> wonder where that might have happened. Uh, trying to make someone else feel unworthy. So they'll do something against their best interest. And this can happen a lot with um, domestic um, abuse, emotional abuse. Uh, well, you can't do that. You're, you're not smart enough to do that. You're not as smart as you think you are. And uh, people are going to laugh at you. People are going to leave you. They're not going to want to be around you. They won't be your friends. Nobody believes in you. This is all emotional manipulation to make you feel unworthy so that you will do something that that person wants you to do. Agree. When we are feeling emotionally manipulated and we begin to believe it, if we add our belief to their words, then we take on that feeling of guilt 
fear or unworthiness, and then we react accordingly. And if we actually do believe it, we'll start to look for that evidence. Oh, well, he said I'm not smart enough to do this. He's right because look at all the other things that I wasn't smart enough to do. Or, uh, you know, um, he said that he would do this to me if I did that. And, and he's done things like that in the past. So, or people have laughed at me in the past, you know, you'll start to look for that evidence that this, this is true and correct. That's so a, that supports their, that supports what they've their, said to you. Um, so isn't there, um, isn't there a certain amount of necessary or, or uh, self-awareness that is necessary in order not to start producing it, right? You have to be, you don't necessarily have to be confident, but isn't there a point at which you have to be comfortable enough with who you are and how you work that you're not going to go looking, help them you're, by looking for evidence? Because that's basically what you're doing, right? Right. Yeah. And, and so if you know who you are, and even more interestingly, they don't know who you are, the last thing you need to do is help them by giving them, you know, Imaginary exactly. evidence. Exactly. And you're having to make up the evidence anyway. Right. Well, you're not making it up. I mean, you look hard enough. You can find anything that you right. really are looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like you said, if they don't know you, it's a little bit easier to say, oh, you know, I don't need to listen to you. But what if it's uh, your mother or your wife or your uh, daughter, you know, well, using I this think kind of thing between mother, wife, and daughter, uh, uh, all, all of those that you've mentioned being Libras, they use this tool <laughs> really, really well. And for the longest time, I would respond to it in, in a way that was appropriate for responding to a woman because I didn't want a woman, any woman, my mother, my uh, daughter, one of my wives, uh, to be hurt by something that I had been do uh, done. So I would validate what they were saying in some subtle way, perhaps even by uh, giving them evidence. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until... Um, I was probably in my 40s that I realized I was doing myself a disservice, that, that I was a successful individual that had built a business, raised a family, done pretty well, um, uh, but, but I wasn't as bad as I was agreeing with them that I was. And, uh, and so I started, I, I didn't debate them, I, didn't, I, I let them say it, and let them feel good about it and, and then kind of settle them down because there's a, a point <laughs> at which you have to help get them back down from where the, wherever they are. And uh, it was that point that I, that I, that I realized I had been uh, enabling it, right, by agreeing with it or by telling them they were right and I would try to be a better person, et cetera, et cetera. I wasn't helping them and I wasn't helping me. Right. Uh, and it was because I was doing something similar and that I, wasn't, I actually wasn't even creating evidence, I was just letting them win the case. Yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah, you're right, I am a nut. <laughs> or I am a bad guy, or I am, you know, uh, what can I do to fix that, right? Mm. And uh, so, uh, I've been through that, yeah. <laughs> Here's the truth. We hurt our own feelings. And how do we do that? By what we make it mean. Uh, so, somebody says, um, you know, you're, you're ugly. You can either say, you know, maybe I am ugly. Maybe she's right. And then start looking for evidence. And then if I'm ugly, and if she said I'm ugly, then I must be ugly, and I must be a terrible person, and I must be all of these bad things. So we end up hurting our own feelings. Whereas if somebody said, you're ugly, and I was like, uh, no. <laughs> then I didn't take that on. I didn't believe it. And it didn't hurt my feelings. It's just like, this person's crazy. Um you know, we don't have to take it on and believe it. But we do, if we do, that's when we hurt our own feelings. When we interpret what somebody is saying to us and put ourselves in a negative light, that's when we're hurting our, hurting our own feelings. And when we make it important to gain that person's approval. Oh, no, she said she doesn't like me. I have to make her like me. What can I do to make her like me? It's so important. Why? <laughs> Why? Somebody doesn't like you, they don't like you. Let it go. And uh, attacks on personal appearance are most common uh, because it's easy, right? And because you know that every one of us suffers a little bit from our own uh, insecurities. insecurities. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's a good place to attack. And uh, well, it's, a, it's, a, 
it's a place to attack that works. I right. wouldn't say it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, well, it can work if you're not aware of what's going on. You yeah. know, if you follow the the Ian Fleming. So, uh, in the intelligence community, we used to have this uh, saying, and it comes literally. It comes from Ian Fleming, who was the author of all the James Bond's book, but John uh, James Bond's books, but who actually served in MI5 and MI6 which is the UK's version of internal and external security. He used to say, uh, the first instance is happenstance. The second instance is coincidence. The third instance is enemy attack. So you have to modify it for the internet. Uh, <laughs> right. Because that's where all, a lot of this stuff is going to come from. They're right. not going to face true. you. They're going to use the internet in order to isolate uh, mm -hmm. themselves. The first instance is naivete. The second instance is stupidity. The third instance is effectively enemy attack. And that's when you need to start taking it seriously and, and set the person down and have a conversation if that's what you feel you want to do or decide this can't do me any damage, right? It's not important enough for me to worry about. Let them just be their own thing and let, it, let that reflect on them. Yeah. yeah. And don't hurt your own feelings. Don't believe it just because somebody said it. Just because somebody said it doesn't mean it's true. Here's the good news. You control how you think. You get to decide how you want to feel. And no matter what anybody says, you are 100% in control of whether you believe or take on those thoughts. So I, I used this as an example the other day. If somebody called you a blue Martian, would you take offense at that? Would you get hurt? Probably not, because you don't believe in any way that you are a blue Martian. So you don't attach any belief to it. You don't attach any emotion to it. But if somebody said to you, uh, you're a terrible husband, or you're a terrible father, or you're just really not good at uh, relationships, well, that might hurt you because you might have a secret belief that maybe you aren't the best at relationships. So it might actually hurt. Uh, so you'd have to decide... Do I want to feel hurt? Do I want to attach emotion and belief to that? And if so, why? And really examine why it's bothering you. And, you know, focus on your own beliefs and your own thoughts and see if they serve you or not. Um, and the people that uh, exhibit this kind of behavior uh, tend uh, to focus on what they perceive as your weaknesses. And uh, so that's what they'll go after first. And the helpful thing, of course, is they're probably not right about what your weaknesses are. It's their perception mm -hmm. of it. Uh, and they're, mm -hmm. they, again, they don't know you well enough to know what your weaknesses are. And, and I'm not saying and that so we all... so what they'll usually do is project their own weaknesses exactly. onto you. That's, what I was, that's where I was getting to. Yeah. So this is the, a lot of what happens here is projection, uh -huh. right? It's anger at themselves for, ex for experiencing the same kinds of behaviors and weaknesses. And the best way to get back at you, is, the best way they believe to get at you is to project their weaknesses, their uh, insecurities, all, all of those things at, uh, at you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Your emotions, not theirs. Right. You can't experience someone else's emotion. Nobody can force you to feel a certain way. If I want you to feel unhappy, I can't force that on you. Uh, if I want you to feel guilty or fearful or unworthy, I can't force that on you. You have to accept it. You have to give that permission and choose it. You can only experience something that a person has said to you and what you thought about it. You will only be experiencing the feeling that you created within your mind. So if somebody says to me, uh, you'll never be the magical treasure princess. <laughs> what? I could say, oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> oh. Or um, I can just say, you know what? Maybe I'm not to you and that's okay. Well, but I am to me. <laughs> right. uh, I, and I think that's, uh, that's where, um, you know, uh, there was a point, I'm sure, at which someone told um, Joaquin Phoenix, you will never be the Joker that, say, someone else was. And he could have taken that and said, uh, I'll play like I'm never going to be. He, now, he didn't. He ignored all of that. 
and now he owns that role, you know, and will for for until somebody comes along better. I just don't see that happening. So it's even worse kind of when they're starting to attack, again, what they think you are. So it's, if somebody says to you, you'll never be the magical treasure princess, they don't, they really don't know you, right? They don't know you because they're after something that has no emotional significance to you, right? You're never going to be six feet tall, Shelley. Well, you know right. that. Right? <laughs> but I could put on really tall shoes. Right. Well, that's even more. I'm never going to be six feet tall and I can't put on tall shoes, right? Not, certainly not that. <laughs> seven inch heels uh six inch heels but uh but yeah so it it kind of is even a greater reflection on their inability to do anything about themselves when they're starting to attack things that are imaginary effectively you know yeah it just kind of let me see what i can let me see what i can figure yeah, they're out just poking at you to, yeah. to get a reaction yeah. a lot of times and we don't play down if you think their behavior is unacceptable and then you behave in an un- unacceptable way and justify it because of the way they're acting. Then you've convinced yourself that they're more powerful than you and they can control how you behave. But that's never the case. So, make a decision not to play down. You're not going to do what they do. Just because they did it doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean it's, oh, fair game now. I have standards. I have integrity. I'm going to live up to my own standards, my own integrity for myself. Not because of some other person or what they do or say, but because that's what's important to me. So that's why we don't play down. And it applies to soccer, too. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, Their feelings, not yours. People try to emotionally manipulate because they're coming from a place of fear and emotional emptiness and they're trying to fill it up with your actions, right? They're uh, afraid of losing their position uh, as magical treasure princess, so uh, they, they, they fight back. Or they're afraid of losing their status, or they feel emotionally empty and they want to create some drama. So they poke at you to create that drama to fill that emptiness. When they're trying to control you, they're confused because they think that controlling you will make them feel better. Again, that doesn't happen. (laughs) The only thing that's going to make them feel better is to analyze their own thoughts, feelings, and actions and do what's right for them instead of trying to manipulate other people. Agree. No further comment. It's about them. When people don't like you, it has nothing to do with you. When people do like and approve of you, it still has nothing to do with you. It's always about them, their perceptions, and their life experiences. So remind yourself, their opinion of me isn't about me, it's about them. Toby and I have been talking about this a lot in the last couple of months. Every time we get negative comments on our YouTube channel, we tell each other, it's not about us. And that's telling us about them. What does it say about them when they say these things? Now, we get a lot of wonderful people who say really lovely things, and that reflects on them that they are a lovely, loving person, right? We think that of them. When they say nice things about us, we think that they are good people. They're nice people. They feel good about themselves, they feel good about life, and they're sharing that. When people say negative and nasty things, we look at it as what a sad life they live, that they have to, uh, you know, react in that way, that they have to, you know, uh, throw that kind of of hate out into the world because they're so full of it themselves. Uh, How sad for them. So we just remember that their opinions or what they say about us, it's really, it's about them. Well done, Your Honor. Yeah. Analyze it. What are they feeling to make them say these things towards you? Right? Somebody says something negative and, and hateful towards you. What must they be feeling and going through to have that 
You know, uh, when I was in middle school and high school, I had this girl who just hated me. I didn't even know her. I didn't, I didn't run in the same crowd with her. I didn't have any friends in common with her. I didn't really even know her. I just knew where she lived and that she was always angry. She was just an angry person and she took it out on me a lot. And I didn't know why. Because I didn't have any kind of relationship with her ever. We had no history. So it made no sense. So I have to wonder, why did she behave that way? What did she see in me that was lacking in her? You know, that she wanted what I had, and then she took it out on me in some way. It didn't make any sense, but I, you know, that's the only thing we can do is kind of try to analyze what's going on in their life that they're, you know, trying to attack me. What belief systems intentions do they have why are they doing these things what's going on you know where where are they at in their in their lives and in their thinking now, what does this person feel and think about themselves that's revealed by their words and we do that a lot when we get comments on our channel we say you know this isn't about us it's about them what's this saying about them uh is this a good place to tell my oracle story sure so uh, during the 1990s, uh, on a contract with a company called Oracle, at the time it was called Oracle Data, now it's Oracle Software, it's the second largest software company in the world, I did over a thousand presentations for them, on behalf of them, seminars, all over the world. And one of the things that I was required to do was to distribute and collect what we referred to as evaluation forms. They're really the first step in the sales process. Get them into the seminar, get them to tell you what they like, what they need, and then you use that, you know, sign their name, phone number, email address, and then you use that as a tool uh, to engage them. But there was a place on that form on the back that uh, it gave them the opportunity to evaluate the seminar. And so I got really serious about collecting these things and evaluating the data. And what I learned over time after about 100 to 120 of these seminars, I learned that uh, there are people in that room, no matter its size, and some of those seminars were as many as four or 500 people, uh, no matter its size, there are people in that room that within the first minute will not like you. I, w I was going to use the word hate, but that's probably too strong. They will not like you. They'll stay at the seminar for the most part, but they, it, it just takes them 60 seconds. And I calculated it was around 10%. So 10% of the room within 60 seconds of not knowing you don't like you. What was interesting is on the other end of that spectrum, another 10% just kind of liked you because you were wearing a pinstripe suit or you reminded them of their father or whatever. So on both ends, you had this, this 10%. Uh, by the end of the seminar, another 10% had grown to dislike you and some of them had left the seminar. Another 10% had grown to like you and would at break come and approach you to just to see if they could get a conversation going, that kind of like. So in the middle, there was 60% that from at that point in time, I thought were the important ones to pursue in terms of sales opportunity. The undecided but vote. The, yeah, basically. <laughs> they, they were there to listen to what the seminar, what you had to say at the seminar. They weren't making personal evaluations of the presenter or the content. They were just saying, oh, well, that's interesting. Now I have the opportunity. Now I know what I'm talking about. And, and this was during the evolution of what was referred to the time, what is still referred to as relational database as we made a transition from network databases into a relational. And, um, but what was important to me was the lesson learned. And the lesson learned was that no matter who I am, 20% of the world isn't going to like me. 20% of the people that come in contact with me are going to find a reason not to like me. The good news is, on the other hand, there's 20% of the people that will find a reason to like me. What you have in the middle is the 60% of the people who don't form an opinion necessarily, uh, but who are willing to engage with you in a conversation or listen to you, et cetera, et cetera. And if you apply that to your life, you can almost count, you know, the numbers on, on hand. And it makes it a lot when you realize that not everyone in the world is going to like you when they come in contact with you. It just makes it so much easier to get through life. What you have to do is make sure that you don't respond in a negative way. To, you know, there, there, I remember there was a woman who got angry because I was wearing a, a Mont Blanc fountain pen on, in my jacket pocket. And she focused on that for literally a page worth of comments, right? Uh, there was another guy who was in the Air Force who literally filled every white space on that, both sides of that forum. Uh, to criticize me. <coughs> and at some points it got personal. But he was one of that 20%. And I let right, it go. Right. Yeah. And I find that that percentage that doesn't 
like you immediately. They don't like anything and they don't like anyone. And they might not even like themselves. They're just that way about everything. Everything's horrible until you prove me wrong. So uh, uh, Lucy asked, Toby, is the dislike due to intimidation? That's one of the reasons, right? Uh, Envy, intimidation, uh, 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 their perception of being bullied, et cetera, et cetera. They'll they'll make up whatever excuse they need to make up in order to not like you. Mm -hmm. It's their excuse, and it's probably one of their insecurities. So uh, you you can't say it's because I'm an intimidating person. It's, be, it's because they're intimidated by you for whatever reason. I don't think of myself as an intimidating person, but I've had people tell me, you're just like a bull in a china shop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, well, you've said that about Griffin, so. True. I guess I, guess, I, guess I have. But, uh, yeah, it, generally speaking, it, it, whatever it is, it's, it's their thing, not yours. They're looking for an excuse uh, to dislike you, and if they want to dislike you, they will find mm. whatever reason is necessary. Yep. Yep. You know, and sometimes it's going to, oh, he's a short, fat guy. I hate short, fat people. You know, mm-hmm. he's intimidating or he's obnoxious or mm-hmm. he's arrogant mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. he's a know-it-all. They're, they're, whatever yep. it is, they'll find that reason and, and they'll use it. <laughs> on the other hand, there's going to be people on the other end of that spectrum that are going to say, oh, he's so, the people that think you're intimidating on the other side, there's people who think you're confident. The people that think you're stupid, there's people that think you're smart. There are people that think you're arrogant. Uh, there's people that think he's so kind and he, he makes it, everybody feel good about themselves. You know, so you're going to find, they'll find whatever the reason both to dislike you and to like you. You've got that 60% in the middle that's going to remain neutral and, and that you want to, that's great for communication. Not that you shouldn't communicate with the people that like you, but it's always going to be under the saran wrap. You're going to be looking through that saran wrap of, oh, isn't he smart? You know, right. it's ad, it borders on well, adoration. Like I just said, you, you, you have no control over they, they like you. It's not about you. If right. they don't like you, it's still not about right. you. Yeah. What's important to do? on our side, state and enforce boundaries. So other people can behave the way they want. You can do whatever you want. You know, it's a free country, you got free speech, you can do what you want. But I have my boundaries, right? I have my own rules for how I'm going to behave and how I'm going to take care of myself. Here's my boundary. If you do A, I will do B. Because I, you know, I don't allow A into my life. I'm going to do this thing. So here's an example. If you steal my YouTube show and put it on your channel uh, without any permissions, then I'm going to either, depending on our relationship, I might contact you and say take it down, or I might contact YouTube and, and make a copyright claim. These are within my rights. These are my boundaries. Um, once people understand my boundaries, they can choose to do whatever they want, knowing how I'm going to react. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Just remember, it takes practice. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, the more we get out in the world, the more of this we're going to have to deal with stepping back and analyzing what is said without reacting negatively is something that we continuously need to practice and remind ourselves about throughout our lives. And please see how old this lady is? And she's doing it. She's still doing it. <laughs> she's still putting up with people. <laughs> Can't believe you just Can't said that to me. <laughs> so uh, it takes a lot of practice. But just keep reminding yourself, i got to step back, take a look at what's going on here, analyze, and remember, it's not about me. It's about them. I was looking at your Fitbit emoji. It's you. So here's my recommendations. Be aware when you're being emotionally manipulated or when you're trying to emotionally manipulate others. Be aware of it. Step back and look at it. Then be responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. So don't be a victim. Don't say, they said this about me and they hurt my feelings. Because we are adults. We know that we hurt our own feelings when we attach belief and emotion to what's been said, right? Absolutely. Uh, Don't play down. Just because somebody did something really 
you know, something against your integrity and t- against what you would do doesn't mean that you get to give up your integrity and get to give up behaving like an adult and behave the way they behaved because their behavior, they did it first. So it justifies what I'm doing. No, <laughs> have your own set of, of rules, personal rules, have your own integrity and follow that no matter what anybody else does. Don't play down. Analyze instead of reacting. Somebody says something uh, you don't like in a forum, on a comment, to your face, to somebody else because they know you were going to overhear it or hear about it. Uh, Don't react. Take a step back and analyze. Why would they say that? What's going on in their lives that would make them say such a thing? That's how sad for them, right? Bless their heart. Bless bless (laughs) their pee-picking little heart. And make sure that you state and enforce your boundaries so that everybody's aware, you know, if you're going to do this to me, then I'm going to react in this way. I'm stating my boundaries. Uh, If you're going to yell at me, I'm going to turn around and leave. I'm not going to put up with it. If you're going to uh, do something that's, you know, really horrible and mean to me, goodbye. I don't put up with it. So everybody knows that. That's my boundary. There's no questions when it happens. If you take a swing at me, I'm going to shoot you in the kneecap. You'll somebody, never walk if somebody, again. If somebody gets on YouTube and makes fun of me, I'm going to say something about it to all of my supporters and fans. That's my boundary. And that's my right. Okay. Please take a moment to reach out by joining the Softer Side member vault at eSofterSide.com. Take a look at all the great information and courses and ebooks and all the wonderful stuff in there. It's just for you. Uh, join our Facebook group, Facebook groups slash The Softer Side. This is available on podcast at Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. And you can always email me at thesofterside.info at gmail.com. And if you would like personal one-on-one time with me, uh, we can set up a call. If you just uh, register through esofterside.com and you can uh, set up a time with me and we'll talk and uh, get to the bottom of what's going on in your life. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines right now. Our number is 202-815-1171. And here's a prompt for you. What was the most impactful takeaway from today's topic for you and why? What's going on? Let us know. And who's in the chat room today? So uh, in the chat room, we have uh, Jimmy Fast. Hey, oh, Jimmy. Rio de los Pinos. I guess he wants to take a drink. <laughs> okay. Uh, Capro, I don't know. I'm out of coffee. Uh, Capro is in the room. I love Lucy and um, Christy and Lucy. Um, yeah, I love uh, Lucy, and we've talked about this before with her conditional love. Um, uh, Jimmy Fast suggests life lock, protect yourself. You, know? <laughs> uh, you have to push out the negative self-talk. Uh, and Lucy is the one that asked the question about: Is it dislike due to intimidation? And we responded: it, They'll. It can be any one of a dozen oh, absolutely. different things. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll have one. You never know why people are going to like you or not like you. It's totally in their life experience and in their perception. So Capro uh, is asking, how do you decide between what is your boundary and not playing down or saying thing at anything at all? Um, where does it come from? Right? Does it come from, I love myself. I'm going to take care of myself. And here's how I'm going to do that. Um, and, and that, I think, if you're in a calm state of mind and, and the, um, the decision comes from love, that is definitely a boundary. If it's a knee-jerk reaction, somebody said something horrible and now I'm going to do this, take a step back and analyze. Where is that coming from? Is that coming from fear? Is it coming from anger? Where is it coming from? If it's not coming from love for yourself and others, then you want to just, you know, take a step back and breathe for a while and analyze why did that happen? What was this person trying to accomplish with this? And, you know, once everything's calmed, 
then you can say, you know, when this happens in my life or when somebody does this to me, here's the thing that I'm going to do to protect myself, to take care of me. Um, And make sure it's like not out of proportion and it's within your value system. So uh, the other thing about boundaries is boundaries usually come uh, after a point at which you had one of those situations where you felt like you were out of control and your response was to play down, right? Uh, And I'll go back to my my soccer. I I was agreeing to play teams that weren't as good as our team. Uh, And it cost us, right? And I couldn't do anything about it. After it happened, the only thing I could do was complain to myself that it took three practices to get my girls back to the level they were prior to playing this team that wasn't as good as ours. But then I established a boundary. And the boundary was, I don't play teams that are uh, in a division lower than us, right? That's, I just don't do that anymore. And so I could say, I'm sorry, when I get a call from a coach uh, uh, and they would ask me to play their team, I'd ask them what division they were. If they were a division up, I'd, I'd say, sure, we'd love to play you because they didn't have that constraint, right? Uh, but once I established the boundary, then it was easy not to play down because I had the boundary, right? So one of the one of the steps in this process is to ensure that you have boundaries so that you don't play down. We have boundaries. We have, if there's people who uh, attack us or other people in our room, the boundary is we, uh, we uh, block them on our channel. We don't talk to them. We don't ap- appeal to them. We don't have a conversation with them because that's the boundary we've already established. So having those boundaries is one of the reasons that enables you, one of the things that enables you not to have to play down. They're, they, they know the boundary, they exceed the boundary, and they exceed the boundary in order to get a reaction. The boundary is there specifically so you have a reaction, but it's one that everyone knows what it's going to be. You've taken care of it, and you can let it go after that. They're not going to be happy about it. They're going to use every opportunity they can to be critical of the manner in which you've handled it, but there's no excuse because that's your boundary. And, and so when you establish this set of boundaries, whether it's public or not, uh, then, then you don't have to play down. The boundary, is what, uh, the, the boundary is what enables you not to have to play down. Mm-hmm. And a boundary is very much like training a child or a, a pet a dog, for instance, um, you are kind to your dog, but there's certain things you do not allow your dog to do, right? You wouldn't want your dog to poop in the house. That's not allowed. Uh, but you're not going to beat the dog if they make a mistake. You're going to teach them, you know, this is what you, this is correct behavior and you will get rewarded for correct behavior. This is incorrect behavior. And when that happens, you are not going to get rewarded and we're going to have a serious discussion, right? Uh, with kids, same thing, you know, there are certain things that you say, this is my boundary and don't ask me to buy candy for you at the store because it will never, ever happen. And if you never give in on that boundary, then your kids will stop asking. They'll learn, mom never, ever buys candy for us at the store. Or whatever your boundary is. If you continually enforce it every single time, then that pet or that child or that other person in your life is going to understand that's just how they are. Don't push it. Right, because they're not they're not going to allow it. If you allow it one time, what happens? Right, it's like uh, putting teaching a toddler to go to sleep on their own. If every time they fuss, you go in and pick them up and carry them around, they're never going to learn how to self soothe and go to sleep on their own. Right, um, you might make an exception if they're sick, but you don't. You know, you don't go past your boundaries or people think, oh, well, we pushed that boundary. What else can we get away with? So once you've established a boundary, it's that consistency that tells everybody this is how it is and it's not going to change. So Lucy says, my husband and I feel like in our job searches that our 32 years of experience is intimidating hiring managers. That doesn't surprise me. I've been told to dumb down my resume uh, to get a job. I refuse. Um, so maybe, maybe the world, the fates, the destinies are telling you 
rather than going and looking for the job, take that 32 years worth of experience and establish your own business, maybe a hiring practice where you take people with your kinds of experience and put them in locations where uh, people would respect that kind of experience. Uh, where, where I come from in Washington, experience in uh, working with government is a benefit, not a, and, and it doesn't make any difference who the government employee is that you're working with because I worked with government employees in all categories and all age groups. And I remember, I remember dealing with the youngest of them, and they were intimidated. But what helped was the fact that the law, the regulations governing how this process worked, was, uh, I don't want to say it was on my side, but it was strict. No matter whether they were intimidated by you or not, they had to give you a chance. And what I learned was who I could be intimidating. I don't mean not who I could be intimidating with. But <laughs> what I learned was for uh, younger people, it was very easy uh, for someone with my level of experience to be intimidating. So I tried to act in a way that wasn't. I, I, didn't, I wasn't supplicating, but I gave them the opportunity to do their job. And uh, I, think that's, uh, I think that's one of the keys is you, with that level of experience, uh, with that level of experience, one of the things that you learn is how to manage every kind of possible relationship, right? If you've been doing this for 32 years, now you know when you run into a hiring manager that is half your age uh, that you can expect that hiring manager is going to be intimidated by your resume. And it, the, what, w the approach is feature function benefit. How do you sell yourself to somebody who's intimidated by your expertise uh, when your expertise far exceeds anything that they have at the, will, ever, will ever have, right, until they're retired? Uh, and the way is show them what the benefit, uh, explain to them, get use the opportunity to explain to them your feature function benefit, right? Your primary features, how you work, and how that's going to benefit them so they're not intimidated. Now, is that supplicating? Well, you're, you're being hired by somebody half your age. I, in a way, you, you have to at least consider that if you want that job, you're going to have to work with them, even though they are half your age. What's that movie? Uh, there's one with uh, Robert De Niro where he's an ex-executive and he's still looking to keep busy and this young woman hires her, him. Mm, I don't and remember she doesn't the name know. of the movie, but I know yeah. what you're talking about. But it, but it was that. he decide, What he decided to do, that he wasn't going to necessarily supplicate himself. Hand, and Hathaway. Right. To yeah. uh, the young woman, but that he was going to behave in a manner that made her comfortable, that made her, you know, I used to have a, a rule when I had people working for me and I would say, my job is to make all of you guys look good. And, and that sounded really funny when I said it like, well, wait a minute, I don't need it. My job is to make everybody around me look good. And if I can do that, then we're all going to be successful. And I think if you, you know, there, it, it wouldn't bother me if I were to walk into a hiring manager that was half my, if I was looking for a job, I'm not. But if I was uh, uh, the uh, hiring manager, I was dealing with a hiring manager that was half my age, I would... I would say the benefit is that I have a lot of expertise, I have years and years of expertise, and my position on the matter is to make everybody around me look good, whether it's the, the person I'm sitting across the desk from or the people that I work with. And with that kind of expertise, you have to go, well, they can do that, right? They're not going to come after my job because that ultimately, if you're dealing with a hiring manager half your age, that's their biggest fear. You're going to take my, your job away from me. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make us all look good, including you, you punk. No, you don't say that. Uh, the Intern, everybody. Uh, Capro says The Intern. Yes. Yeah, that's the movie name. That's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, it's a I great like movie it. because that's what he had to do. He had to find a way uh, to make sure that he wasn't offensive. And, of course, the more they worked together, the more um, she learned to trust him. And then I, I don't know at what point she, she finds out that he was, you know, a, a CEO of a large corporation. And, and, you know, and then the question started, well, why are you doing this? Well, the answer is because it's more interesting to be here than it is to be at home playing canasta. Yeah. My biggest, I don't know why. I think I have played shuffleboard once <laughs> in my life on one of those boats. On a cruise ship? Yeah, on a cruise ship. Uh -huh. And my example of like, oh, I don't want to spend the rest of my life playing shuffleboard. Like, it was just that one shuffleboard game that put it in my head like, that is not <laughs> the way I want to spend the rest of my life playing shuffleboard. Um, so 
I hope that this topic has been helpful for people and, um, you know, kind of gives you an insight into what we go through as YouTube producers uh, who do run into a lot of negativity on the internet. Um, we also run into a lot of positive, wonderful, helpful people. Uh, and, uh, and it's evident, you know, by their comments, what kind of life they have, you know, what, what's going on with them. The, the happy people, uh, they just want to share love. They're, they're, you know, they are out there. And those are the ones that we we pay attention to, right? And I think the other thing to remember is that whatever you're doing, whatever it is that you're doing, um, and I'll use YouTube as an example, that's your property, right? It is, it is like a business property. And uh, uh, YouTube has a platform that is organized to support the people that are building channels and content uh, on those channels. And they will help you protect that property. That's what it's all about. They give you all the tools that you need to protect your property. And, um, and this is not a freedom of speech issue. The people, <laughs> if people tell you that, those are people who don't understand the Constitution. This has nothing to do with freedom of speech. I have the right that I have is to put the right that you have. If you have a YouTube channel, for example, <laughs> or if you have a business, you have the right to uh, protect your business. And that's your boundary. Right. And that's your boundary. Just enforce your boundaries. Right. And then just let it all go. <laughs> let it go. Just let it go. Let it go. <laughs> so I'm starting to feel like I'm in a Petri dish and you're looking at me through a microscope and coming up with these ideas for these programs. And you know, I think I think these programs have a lot more uh, value when they are based on what's really going on in somebody's life, mm -hmm. and these are the things that are going on in our lives. So we like to express, you know, how we deal with it and give you the opportunity to um, talk about it with us. So yeah, no calls. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today. We had a great time uh, speaking with you. Capro says, oh, man, Friday's going to be good. <laughs> I can almost see the look on her face. For The Softer Side, I am your Life Transitions Coach, Shelly Carney. Thank you for listening to The Softer Side with Shelly Carney and Toby Eunice. Please write to us with questions or ideas for future shows at thesofterside.info at gmail.com. And visit the free member vault for more great tips and ideas at esofterside.com.